0: You all probably know the name of Forrest Gump, right? In the mid-1990s, Forrest Gump, an epic, romantic, comedy-drama, became one of the most watched movies ever. Forrest Gump, this fictional character, was a naive and intellectually limited, yet athletically exceptional individual. The movie about Forrest Gump has his life experiences that amazingly intersect with so many of the major events of the last century. There's a joke about Forrest Gump dying and arriving at the pearly gates. St. Peter greets Forrest Gump and says, Welcome to heaven, Forrest. You have had quite a life. But to enter the pearly gates, there's a brief test. Three questions. Forrest says, "Um, okay. Peter says, first question, name the days of the week that begin with T. Second question, how many seconds in a year? Third question, what is God's first name? Forrest pauses for a moment and then responds, I can try to answer those questions. Um, There are two days that begin with T, today and tomorrow. That question about the number of seconds in a year, that's hard. Here's my answer. 12. January 2nd, February 2nd, <laughs> March 2nd. And God's first name? That's easy. I know God's first name. It's Andy. Andy walks with me and Andy talks with me <laughs> and he tells me I'm not alone. St. Peter rolls his eyes, opens the gates and says, run, it's run. <laughs> you know, most of us live life assuming that we can answer the questions, we can figure them out, we can work on them, we can put our heads around them, we can, we can kind of apply ourselves and get on with life because we can figure out life's questions and answers. We're born, we grow up, We seek to make a life which invariably, if we're fortunate, involves some kind of education, some kind of meaningful work to do, some relationships and some connections. We don't always know how life's going to go, but we do know that much of it can be uh, according to a certain predictable path. Many of us move through life rooted, too, in certain assumptions. If we do certain things, If we abide by certain principles, if we take care of ourselves and behave ourselves, then life unfolds a certain way. And in many cases, it does. There is truth there. Life can be full of blessings and possibilities and outcomes. They come to us. But often in these equations and in these assumptions uh, that we make about life, God is left out. We find ourselves moving along a certain path and then we realize, have we left God off this journey? We find ourselves with life unfolding and then something happens or someone says, have we been attentive to God's presence along the way? God's purposes with you? Or we ask, or we need to take seriously the question, what would God have us do? Have we added to the equation, what are God's purposes for life, and my life, and your life? What are God's hopes for us in our lives? Where is God in the midst of this unfolding drama of our lives? What could God want? from you and from me? And you know what? All those are good questions to ask with whatever you're dealing with right now. Too often rooted in certain assumptions, too often thinking we can figure out the answers to life's questions, we find ourselves maybe not rooted in God or we find ourselves uh, maybe not converted, converted in seeing God's presence, converted in serving God's purposes. And yet, you know what? God is always part of the equation. God is always part of the journey, the drama of our lives. That's the promise of the gospel. God is always present, and God is always at work. There's a fascinating article in yesterday's Richmond Times-Dispatch on the very front page. It's about the Family of Cameron Gallagher. Maybe you saw it. Cameron Gallagher, you may recall, is, was a 16-year-old, healthy, engaging, beautiful, Richmond-area high school student who went to Virginia Beach to run a half marathon, and she died literally crossing the finish line just two weeks ago. Yesterday's article in the paper was amazing. Because even as this family lost a dear daughter to a mysterious and shocking death as she crossed the finish line, her family, just two weeks after her death, continues to speak about her and write about her in ways that fill us with wonder and awe and amazement. They seem to be continuing their Horrible journey through loss, this Gallagher family, with inspiration, at least for me, amazement. Rooted in faith, they carry on with this inspiring experience. How might we, you and I, live with eyes converted, with lives converted, hearts open, full of faith, full of grace, with commitments that line up with God. That's always a question for us, always. How do, I, how do we see and how do we function as disciples with all that happens to us? That's always a question. The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. It comes after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is the official name, this fifth book. And it's the, called the Acts of the Apostles because it's about what the apostles did, Acts, after the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. What they did is recorded in this book. It's, some people say, better named really the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is so at work in the life of the early church through the Apostles, but it's called Acts, Acts of the Apostles. See, the story of Jesus uh, coming among us and walking alongside us and teaching and healing and loving and helping and serving and then dying and then rising from the grave is not just a story that we simply are to hear about or learn about. It's not something we just know, even as we say, wow, That's a pretty interesting person. It's not just a story where we step back and say, "Hmm, I'm interested in that. I want to be a fan of that. I am engaged by the message of Jesus. It's not meant to be that way. In fact, the story of Jesus is to be continued in the disciples of Jesus' lives. The care of the needy. The healing of the sick, the hope being poured into the hopeless, the light shining in the darkness, death defeated. All these things that Jesus did, embodied, showed, is meant to be carried on in the disciples. That's what Acts is about. And you know who disciples are also? We're disciples. We're meant to be carrying on too. Can't just see the story and say, what a story. It's meant to affect our lives. Our lives are meant to be caught up in the story. So look at what it says in Acts 2.43, which is our single verse for today as I continue this series on preaching sermons from a single verse. It says this, All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Did you catch that phrase? Awe came upon everyone. That is a profound statement. Awe came upon everyone. When really was the last time that you had a sense of awe? When was it? So often we are so busy or so preoccupied Or so covered up with some circumstance that awe doesn't even have a chance with us. We have life figured out. We know how it's supposed to go. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We have to keep on with the journey. What is real awe anyway? Do we even know? And it says awe came upon everyone because of the signs and the wonders that were being done by the apostles. I'm afraid we dwell a bit in a world where there's so many basic assumptions and we dwell in a world of ho-hum, predictability, meh, right? Or at least that's how we think. We need to be continually reminded. We need to be continually converted in how we see and how we think and how we function because here's the truth. God is present, always Here's the promise. God is at work in your life, in your burdens, in your hurts, in your hopes. God is present and at work, and we want to be opened again and again to even awe. So what is awe? Maybe we've lost the sense of the word by overusing it. I know I certainly do. If everything's awesome, what is awe? Right? If everything's awesome, we miss the essence of those three letters, Awe. What is real awe? Well, it is this three-letter word that encompasses broad and complex meaning. In our little passage from Acts 2.43, the Greek word is phobos, which gives us the English word phobia, which is closely related to the word fear. Real awe mingles always fear and dread with veneration and mystery and wonder. Always. Real awe. And here's another note. Whenever it's used in the Bible, always, almost always exclusively relates to what God is doing or what God has said or something that God has participated in. That's what leads to awe. God has been so powerfully present in the wonders and in the signs in the work of the apostles that awe has come upon the people. A sense of wow that includes fear and inspiration, quivering and veneration, uncertainty and dread and absolute amazement. Because God is present. And God is at work. When God is really present and when God is really at work, there is no hum, hum, ho-hum anywhere. What God does generates awe. Who God is brings about awe. A A mingling of fear and veneration and mystery. Today in our church school class called The Wired Word, which Catherine and I have been leading in recent weeks, we talked about the life and death of a person named James Rebhorn. You probably don't know his name, but you've certainly seen his face if you've ever been to the movies or watch any television. Rebhorn was in numerous TV shows, so many movies, for such a long time. But that's not why we're talking about him, because he's in movies and TV. That's not why we're talking about him in church school. He was the subject of our class because those who knew him best, this actor so familiar to so many, recognized him as someone who sought to live in God's presence, someone who was touched by God's awe, by the awe of God. Even in the secular world of Hollywood, movies and television, Rebhorn was a devoted member of his Lutheran church in New Jersey and he sought to live in God's presence and serve God wherever he found himself. Is that something that might be our legacy? That's his legacy. Is that something that might be our legacy? Will they say about you that person really lived in a sense of God's presence? All oh. converted Converted by such awe in response to God's love, in response response to God's presence, in response to God's promises that he serve God with his life. What a tribute. Might they say something like that about us? One of you sent me this week a clip, an interview with world famous Bono. Bono is the lead singer of the famous band U2. I've admitted before that I'm a big Bono fan and U2 fan. The video shows Bono talking to an individual about one subject, Jesus. Bono says he seeks to follow Jesus. Bono says he prays to Jesus. Bono says he does everything in his life seeking to reflect the light of Jesus. Because why, the interviewer asked him, because he's the son of God. That was his answer. Living life in response to some sense of awe about God, mystery and uncertainty and veneration all mingled together. It's inspiring. None of us can live, just live. We're called to live like this verse reminds us. Awe came upon them. Awe covered them because life is always lived in God's presence. Life is always lived seeking to serve and love God. We seek to be converted from the ho hum, from the predictable and the mundane, from the growing sense that there is no awe because God is present and God is always at work. That's the promise. And if we keep reading this passage here, following up on verse 43 and into 44 and 45, we realize, too, where awe and wonder intend to lead us. What living in God's presence actually means. Awe came upon them, it says, and then they started doing certain things. They started living a certain way. Touched by awe with a sense of God's presence and God at work in their lives. It says they formed a community and they combined their possessions and their resources. And they started helping each other, especially those who had the least, uh, the most needy. And they gathered in the temple, it says uh, in a few verses later, and they broke bread and they sang praises to God. And they shared their life with glad and generous hearts. They became clearly a community of care and support, a community of God's people at worship and at work serving God. They became a church, actually, uh, a place to come together, a place to offer our gifts, a place to uh, be engaged in wherever that church finds itself working in the world, and it blossoms, continually blossoms into more worship and more work carrying on the ways of Jesus, loving and healing and helping and pouring hope and shedding light and doing all the things that Jesus did in his life because we can't just be spectators of Jesus. We're not just fans of the message. We're meant to be caught up in the work of Jesus, the worship and the work of Jesus. It starts with awe and it plays out in each of our lives. This is always how God plans it. This is what God wants it to look like. The message, the love, the light being played out in each of our lives. Our lives are to align with God in worship and work. Across the recent weeks, I've been going to a lot of meetings right around the church, some down near the Capitol. some at another church near here. I've found myself along these streets doing different things, and I've been doing a little experiment as I walk. I've been stopping random people, and I've been asking them, can you tell me about that church there, (laughs) this church? Some people say, nah, I don't know about that, I don't know anything about it. Other people said things like this. Well, I've seen a lot of people coming and going there, like on Sunday and Wednesday. Maybe that's when they have worship, because they're kind of busy on those days. Several people said something like this. I think they feed the hungry on Monday, because I see people lining up and gathering and going in this door. And then after lunchtime, there's a lot of people hanging around on this corner. I think they're feeding anybody who comes in. On Saturdays, I've seen buses lined up and I think they take people to prisons to visit their family members. That happens over there on Saturdays. Seems to be a daycare in there too because in the morning and in the night, there's parents and they're stopping here and putting children in and out and then they drive off. I think something with children is going on in there. One person said this, I know they have an AA meeting there. It meets every Monday. And this is what one person said, I've heard it's a church that really cares about the city. Another person said, those people are involved in lots of good things, and if you're related to that church, you should be proud. And I said, I am related to that church. (laughs) We are indeed seeking to be the church in this place that has experienced some sense of awe. God present, God at work. And in response to that, we worship and we seek to do God's business, bearing light and hope along these streets and in every way we can. We're seeking to have sincere awe come upon us, each of us, and together. And we may need to put ourselves, some of us, in more positions where we might experience some awe. What might you do to open your heart and your eyes and your life to a little bit more conversion can happen in a lot of ways we're all needing to be finding those moments where awe can really touch us because life is simply not rooted in certain assumptions life is rooted in God and God is always present and God is always at work we don't know how it's going to unfold we can't predict everything but we know who's with us in it And we know whose work we're called to be about. What about your life? Your life, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Does your life embody some sense of awe? Covering it, like it says in this verse. Are you living and seeking God's purposes? Are you seeking to be converted in how you think and how you function? What does your priorities, what do they look like? Your priorities. You could look at your checkbook and that'll give you some insight. You can look at other parts of your life, your calendar, and that'll give you some insight. What about your life, your priorities, your purposes? Does your life line up and can it line up more with this little passage in Acts? All came upon everyone and with glad and generous hearts they praise God and they serve God. That's what it says. Today we have a wonderful privilege of ordaining and installing a a new class of church leaders, elders, deacons, and trustees, people who have been called and people who are gifted and people who are willing and ready to serve, offering their gifts for the work of this church, the leadership in this church, in this day, this time, filled with awe. We all seek to be about God's work. So let us, each one of us, each one of us, seek to be continually converted so we can become the faith-filled people who, with glad and generous hearts, praise and serve God today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. To turn from you, O God, is to fall, to turn to you. That's to rise, to open our hearts to your Spirit, to be moved to lives of discipleship, well, that is to abide forever. So we seek that way, following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.